you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. It's Oliver here. Hey, hey, how are you doing today? So on today's episode, we're going to be joining back with David Gore and Jake Knowles from BJSS. Now, this is the second part of my catch up looking at benchmarking and looking at store visits. So if you've not heard the first part, you're going to want to go and check out episode 27. You can find that on your normal podcast app or at obandco.uk slash 27. There's been quite a bit of contradiction across the whole retail industry recently, in my opinion, when it comes to digital and technology. There's often quite a a theme of putting technology in when it's not really needed and it ends up not being used. It ends up being confusing and ultimately a waste of money. It's going to be a failed business case for that particular retailer. Technology for technology's sake or digital for digital's sake is kind of one of the big challenges facing a number of retailers that have spent out big on these capital heavy, often capital heavy investments that just don't have a payback. And that is where we are picking back the interview, the catch up with David and Jake. So we're going to jump straight into this one. Take a listen and I'll catch you at the end. What were you seeing? What were the digital trends that you saw? What was working? What was not? Is it essential? What do you think? So, so for me personally, um, I don't think it's essential at all. And I think where utilized and where utilized properly, it, of course, it augments the customer experience and it's a real game changer. But for me, where it works is where there's a real clear vision of how that adds value and how it brings convenience and excitement to the customer experience. So to use an example from the report, somewhere like Reformation. So quite kind of a, a mid-talk market uh, women's retailer was a really good example of, of how tech, when implemented and, and really thought through and integrated into the physical store experience, works really well. So Reformation allows you to to browse the products on show, but what there are is they're kind of TV size um, kind of tablets on the wall where you're allowed to scroll the full product range and, and you can add clothes to your dressing room. So it is a digital dressing room that you start to create. Uh, um, and eventually once you're, once you're happy, you, you press add, add to dressing room, you put your name on there. And about five, 10 minutes later, your, your physical dressing room is ready to go. And you can go in there, you choose the lighting. I think there was a, a few different themes. One, I think sexy time was one of the lightings, which, um, <laughs> was, was an interesting one. And, and you plug your eye, you plug your iPod in there and, and you, you can really personalize that dressing room for yourself. So for us, although not, not for, for, for two blokes to, to really spend any money in there, but a really good example of how that tech, when thought about and when really well integrated into that physical experience, it ticks out all of those boxes. And, and uh, it was a real great example of, of how to use that. Yeah, we very much see the tech piece as being a co-enabler and a co-creator of value for a, a customer. And I think someone, again, who did this brilliantly was actually Medmen, where it was very subtle, but they only had tablets within the, the stores itself. So it wasn't all singing or dancing that you would expect. 
But what they did brilliantly well was actually drive product discovery, knowledge, value add services. And it really accentuated and added to the customer service and the personal connection you had with the brand there as well. And it was done in a very well-informed, relaxed and leisurely manner. And it goes to show that if you have tech in there that is um, beneficial and advantageous, but actually fairly basic in its execution, that can actually accelerate you across brand and experience far more than um, than a Nike house of innovation where we, we were less than blown away. Which is interesting because Nike is one of those stores where it has a really good reputation, particularly among the retail industry, as somewhere you've got to go. It's almost the, the bucket list store for, for quite a few people. So interesting to hear that sometimes it doesn't all work and, and also that that competition against Adidas as well. I've certainly, in my experience, found Adidas do do a great store, really authentic to their brand and to their values as well. So interesting to to get that perspective as well. How does how does New York compare to the UK? I haven't been out to New York for whew, 20 years or something. So um, I do need to get out there again at some stage. How does it how does it compare? How does the retail scene in particular compare? Personally, I believe it's much more dynamic uh, and innovative. So a lot of the brands that we have actually profiled within the record are very much US centric uh, and based. So I believe that they will always go to their home market and the market that they know the best to actually trial the newest concepts and, and tech innovations and new designs that drive brand and experience. And it's a case that if they're successfully proven and scaled across the pond, it's then that they step into, into the UK and Europe and wider markets. Uh, Nike are a good example of that. Uh, Levi's also. Um, from my perspective, we're actually running a, a similar report currently on London itself. And what we have seen is that London scores similarly across brand and experience for a number of the uh, retailers that we have profiled but are at a lower level of maturity around digital, how it's integrated, how it actually accentuates and improves the customer journey and ultimately uh, encourages people to purchase. Um, there's a general lower level of adoption uh, by retail tech, both from a consumer and a retailer's perspective. And I also think that's actually caused by um, a couple of the headwinds that we're currently seeing. So obviously Brexit and uncertainty that surrounds that is the, is the common one, but there's a, again, my opinion, a general hesitance to truly innovate within the UK because of the fear of failure and that it won't pass the Daily Mail test. And yeah, it'll be all over <laughs> the mail on Sunday that uh, yeah, ex-retailers failed and not delivered what they want. Uh, I think there's a much greater level of acceptance around risk in the US and therefore that desire to innovate and the, um, the environment in which they can is much more accepting of it. Yeah, that's interesting. It's I, I'm actually increasingly seeing UK stores, particularly from that digital perspective, falling behind. Definitely America, but also Far East as well. There was a, a great video by Tiffany Lung recently looking at the Alipay store in Hong Kong. It's a completely yeah, it's fantastic. Wasn't it? It, was a, it was a great video, and uh, you know we don't have anything like that in London. We've got Amazon Go reportedly coming. But it's it, it would be very much cut, cutting its first first path in terms of that high high tech perspective in in the UK scene, and then of course there's still so many other uh, shopping centres, town centres, city centres to 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 expand out to as well before 
It is, yeah. Our view is definitely that the, the, the kind of Far Eastern market is truly innovative to the point where they are actually missing levels of maturity. So actually just accelerating straight through something, going from lagger to leader uh, in the blink of an eye. And I think the, the stuff that Tiffany does is absolutely fantastic. And I quite happily follow her on various different social media channels because I find it to be very insightful. I think, interestingly, the US is getting to that point where they are becoming a bit more of a fast follower, for want of a better term. But Europe and the Middle East um, are lagging. So London's getting there and you do see it in pockets. I think, interestingly, from a Middle Eastern retail perspective, uh, my personal opinion, uh, having recently been out there and worked over there as well, is that they are conservatively five years uh, behind, probably more likely 10 uh, in their use of tech, um, how they're driving uh, new formats and how they're actually driving experiential retail as well. So Europe and Middle East, I would say that there's huge opportunity to um, to catch up and to accelerate and to impress. And I think the first stage of that would be to go and do some some really high quality benchmarking, as this report of concrete comparisons has done, to really understand what are the what are the different use cases, what are the different opportunities that we could do. Yes. So interested to again get your get your thoughts, both of you, from a, a consumer perspective and from a, a retail perspective. What was it? that you took from all of those different store visits that really delighted you? You've, you've obviously shared a bit about your favorite stores, but what was the, the unique pockets that really got you going? Yeah, so um, one for me, which was, which was very different and, and not one uh, I really heard of before, to be entirely honest, before we, before we went there, was, was Beta, which was a, a small concession, which was actually uh, in Macy's. My one kind of Concern would be it took a little while to find. Macy's is an absolutely uh, enormous store, and Beta was quite a kind of small square foot pop up in there. But for me, this is a real good example of of a new and innovative pop up store. So uh, Beta really prides itself on this retail as a service model. So when we talk about the UK industry and, and yes, bottom lines are being squeezed, Beta has come up with a very new and innovative business model that actually provides a, a, a new revenue stream as well as the the general buying and selling of goods. So. Yes, there are some great benefits for customers. There are probably 15 products in the store. Each come with a small tablet, which tells you about the product, allows you to see some videos of it in action um, and really see the gadgets at play. So it's encouraging you to interact with the product rather than the generic price level that you see, oh, it's £150, probably not for me today. Actually, you learn about the product and you interact with it. And on the flip side, there's a lot of positives for suppliers. So uh, suppliers pay to have their gadgets merchandise in beta stores and most importantly suppliers get access to real-time analytics about the product so obviously how they're selling and 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 the kind of general numbers but also how many minutes people are spending on the tablets what they're browsing and actually some live feedback from store staff around why people didn't buy or why they did and and suppliers are actually allowed to real-time update those tablets based on that live feedback so for me that is a really innovative way of of both merchandising your products, but allowing suppliers an extra access and, and a new service to to really live improve their products in your store based on live feedback. So for me, that was a great example and, and something I'd love to see move to the UK market of, of this new and innovative uh, pop-up, which probably we talk about department stores and how maybe they're struggling, then Beta is a perfect little pop-up that you can have in there, take some square feet off your hands 
and really give a new and innovative customer experience that really delighted me uh, and David, I know, because he, uh, <laughs> he spent some money on some overpriced headphones. So, um... <laughs> How overpriced? <laughs> um, they were a gift, which is uh, gathering dust. Oh, and oh, we, won't, we won't ask for the price then. <laughs> yeah, no, I was fed back that it wasn't quite the gift that the individual was hoping for. But no, yeah, <laughs> I think the retailer in me, and again, this is... Uh, an area of retail that's often forgotten about and neglected that did brilliantly was Converse. Um, so they had a lot of tech, brilliant design, all that good stuff. But what really impressed us and blew our socks off was the customer service. We both came away from that store saying it was absolutely exceptional, um, where they just went over and above our um, expectations. They were friendly, they were informative, they were non-intrusive. They encouraged us. They actually said, go off and break stuff. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think that is an often underappreciated and often neglected area of retail around actually you get your people infused, you get them knowledgeable, you get them delivering outstanding service and great things will happen. Um, and for a retailer, uh, I was massively impressed with um, with the approach and the execution they had in that. Good. That's, that's a really good takeaway. And I, I absolutely do agree with you. You know, customer service on a one-to-one human level I don't think it can be beaten in terms of building that relationship, building that loyalty. So interesting to hear that it was Converse that were doing that. And I imagine they were very focused on on their particular target market, you know, generally a younger demographic, I'm guessing. Oh, thanks, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were, yeah. I didn't the say anything. Was, <laughs> yeah. uh, the whole store was, was driven towards a, a particular segment. But again, they did. they just did it phenomenally well and executed it brilliantly yeah it was it was great that there's literally nothing bad that i could say about the experience or the, the sales associate in that location to the point where where we're earlier talking about kind of the the mix of online and offline in the future of bricks and mortar i would now choose to go to a converse store to have that level of service and engagement with individuals rather than buy online despite knowing my shoe size that's how how brilliantly they converse with me and how well they've converted me Wow, and that is a powerhouse comment there for for all retailers to really sit up and take notice. So you would actually, based on the customer service level, you would rather go to a store than have the convenience of online. So that's something that all stores really must go after. So this has been really interesting, and I'll mention it again. That report is available, and there's a ton more examples lots of great uh, commentary and all of the scoring. And you can find out which of the which of the stores did really well and which didn't do quite so well. So it's a really interesting report. I do recommend you go and check it out, bjss.com slash stores. So I'm keen to ask you, as a, almost a, as a beginning to get a, to a wrap-up question now, what was the number one thing you would take from, from doing this whole store visit from immersing yourself in New York and all in the the, the 31 stores, what would be the number one thing that you would take away and you would recommend to a retailer to get, to go and do? This is, this is a really good question. And and actually one I've, I've, I was pondering around uh, since, since we've actually written this report and, and, and for me that there's really one ultimate thing. And, and for me, it would be if, if, if any retailer would, would, would care to listen, my advice would be, can you, can you describe the, the vision and the purpose of your store in no more than two or three sentences? And if, 
that's something that that you can't do, then there's no way that your your average customer who walks into your store is going to be able to understand the vision and purpose of your store in the very limited time that they spend in there. So for me, that is that is really fundamental. And when we talk about the brand and digital experience, yes, there's a load of depth you can go into, but if you can't surmise the real purpose and the, and the vision that you have for that store, then that's never going to be reflected in in how you offer that to the customer. So that's what I took away from the experience, and that would be my my fundamental advice. Thanks, Jake. That's a really good piece of advice there. You know, really getting crystal clear and short and condensed. What is your what is the purpose? Just as you said, perfect. David, how about you? I suppose it would be less is more. Um, so a lot of the stores that we have scored highly with and have come away and, and kind of wax lyrical about are generally the ones that have majored on one of the three criteria, whether it's experience, digital, or brand. Yeah, they've done one thing. They've done it absolutely brilliantly well, and they've built and enhanced their proposition in other areas off the back of it. Um, so again, Converse is a good example. They've majored on customer service and built out a store that is just phenomenal off the back of it. You've got product discovery at Medman. Um, and again, knowledge is first and foremost, and they're building stylish formats to actually complement and enhance that whole experience. And I think the stores where we came away and were disappointed or underwhelmed were the ones where they literally tried to just cover so many bases that they were the jack of all trades and master of none. Um, Nike are a good example of that, Nordstrom, uh, Levi's or others as well. Um, it's a case of, as Jake said, really, go back to the basics, be clear on what you want to do and execute consistently against it and then build from that base rather than throw everything in and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think, yeah, just uh, myself and David have been very down in this detail for the last kind of eight weeks or so. And you know, I've started calling the report the wrong name. I've seen it so many times. But I think, <laughs> Oliver, it'd be great to know from your perspective, having having read the report, kind of what was what was your takeaway? And and you said you haven't been to New York for a little while, but yeah, what was what was your kind of real thinking once once you once you finished the report? So I think for me, um, there are a few things. So number one, it's not just the big name brands that are are doing a great job. Actually, there are a lot of smaller brands newer brands that have really done a great job and it's, it's kind of going back to your tips thinking about what is the purpose what are we doing here what is our aim in life for this store and actually really focusing in on that rather than you know something like a, a Nordstrom that has got this huge experience but also this huge organization that is throwing in lots of arguably distracting elements as well so I think from that perspective really interesting the digital side as well was another key takeaway with some great examples and you've we've, we've touched upon them already today some great examples of how digital cannot just be for fun but it can actually be a fundamental part of the whole shopping experience and i think there's there's a lot more to come where we can blend some of the, the, the positives of an online shopping journey and some of the positives of a physical shopping journey and both can learn from each other. And I think the, the beta example was a great example where there must be a ton of analytics that are being gained about what's really important to customers as they're looking through the information on the tablet. I don't need to whip out my phone to find out what's there. I can find it there, but 
as a as a retailer i can i can understand all of the analytics so i can see what's important i can see where am i doing a good job where am i not doing a good job and i can evolve that and actually spread that around and if you had that concept across an estate you can really gather up so much data and you could really optimize the product descriptions you can really optimize across both online and physical stores as well so i think for me those two aspects were really important to start thinking about. Definitely. Are there any final thoughts from from you, either of you, in terms of anything else we've not touched on that you think, God, I really was excited by that, I was disappointed by that? Y- yeah, so I think one to call out, and, and we started to see it in, in the UK, is is this whole craze around CBD. So personally, I think maybe it's, it's, it's a bit of it's over-egged the pudding a little bit, but we saw a really good example of that in in the US with MedMen and um, that de- delegalization, I think, is going to continue across America. What MedMen are doing is is really trying to get that first mover advantage across with a really professional and clean store. Now, there's pop-ups in London, which we're seeing, and actually we'll be reviewing one for our London store version. But I think that's a, that's a real new whole area of retail that's only just really in its infancy. So we're going to see a lot of attention from retailers and and to see who's really going to diversify there and really nail that, what is potentially a bit of a controversial area, but there's going to be money spent there. So really want to watch and, and yeah, look out for that review in the, in the London report as well. Definitely. Help me out with the acronym there, CBD. Um, I think it's basically cannabis oil. So it's it's um, marijuana without the THC. So it's the legal version of that as far as I'm aware, but I'm no by no means an expert. So <laughs> something that's legally allowed to be sold whilst marijuana is still illegal. So uh, a very interesting and, and, as I said, potentially controversial area, but it's a whole new area of retail that's opening up. And, and London and New York, I think you're, you're reading stories every single week about that. So it's very interesting. Great. How about you, David? The other example as well that we've got is is Fluid or the Fluid Project. So it's the first non-binary gen fluid store of its kind. It's truly uh, cutting edge and has got huge potential. So from a segment, it's very much looking at LBGT and Gen Z. Uh, and if it can tap into that and really truly position itself and come with a message that is inclusive, diversified, and it resonates, for want of a better term. And I think what Rob Smith is doing there is is truly interesting. And as a concept, I could see that growing massively successfully and scaling very, very quickly, both within the US, particularly over on the West Coast. But as you look over into Europe and look at some of the some of the cities here or, or even potentially further afield, such as uh, Tel Aviv. That's interesting. How should someone get in contact to, to go further, to go deeper with you? So I think the two quickest ways are either reach out to us via LinkedIn. Our profiles are very, uh, very easy to find in that regard. Or the other one is uh, via email. So if you download the report, you'll be able to find our email addresses at the back or simply just go to david.gore at bgss.com and I'll be more than happy to, uh, to continue the conversation. Yeah, and exactly the same for me. So jake.knowles at bjss.com. We've also got some very nicely printed versions of the report. So if you would like a, a physical copy, then, then do drop us a line and, and we'd be more than happy to send one out to you as well. Super. So this has been really interesting. Thank you so much, David and Jake, for for sharing so much about about the store visit and about your approach. And I think there's there have been a ton of actionable things that people can take about how to go about doing store visits and benchmarking and even more actionable things that they can say, here's an idea. What should we do about this from a, from a retail 
operations, design, technology perspective. So thank you so much for coming on to the Retail Transformation Show and for being such champions. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. And thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Oliver. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. Cheers, guys. So that concludes the catch up with David and Jake. Now, if you've not read their report, good news, you can pick up a copy today for free. And in fact, there are actually two reports, as as you heard in the in the interview. The first one is Concrete Comparisons, and you can pick that up at bjss.com slash stores. And that's where David and Jake look at a whole host of the hottest New York-based stores. Then the second part of that is is the London store visits, and you can pick that up at bjss.com slash London. And the final link today sorry for (laughs) throwing loads of links at you. Um, The final link is the show notes page, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 28. And conveniently, I'm going to put the links for both the the concrete comparisons New York store visits and the London store visits as well. So go check it out, obandco.uk slash 28. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. So reach out to me and you can find me at LinkedIn, Oliver Banks, or on Twitter at Ollie underscore Banks. And that's O-double-L-I-E underscore Banks. And that's going to wrap it up for another episode of the Retail Transformation Show. I do hope you'll continue to join me. Hit subscribe if you've not already done so. And that way we can catch up every single week. Take care, look after yourself and join me for the next episode. Catch up then.